You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week, actually joining me this Whoa. week, in, 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 in reachable distance, Justin Davis is here. We Hello. can touch each other here in the IGN studio here in LA. Scoop. Nick Malone is here. Hello. And joining us for, uh, remotely is Colin Stevens. Colin, we wish you were here. Hey gamers, yeah, I'm just a figment of your imagination. You can't actually Whoa. touch well. a, a virtual <laughs> hug, a yeah. virtual outreach hand. I realized, by the way, we could have been touching Nick as well. It's okay. I, he's, I can't reach. It's Nick. too far. <laughs> it's too far. And this is a bridge we can't. There's an, we can't get. But there's like an energy. Yeah, exactly. Us, for yeah. sure. We're linked forever. We've got a great show for you this week. We got to talk about that Mario movie trailer that just dropped. Uh, that everybody's talking about. I think, I think everyone is like, okay, that looks pretty good. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the next 15 years of games that we're going to be playing from CD Projekt Red, apparently. <laughs> but first. Justin, what, is, what are these IGN rewards I've heard so much about? Oh, Damon, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, no, like a big project that me and a lot of other people have been working on at IGN for a long time is this program called IGN Rewards. And you can go to IGN.com rewards and get free stuff. Free stuff and discounts from around the web. Um, there's going to be new things added all the time. Basically, anytime we're doing a sweepstakes or a giveaway or you know early access beta code or free games, things like that, they're all going to be at IGN.com slash rewards. It's free to participate. You just have to make an IGN account, um, and that's it. Um, as part of IGN Rewards, there's also a new subscription service called IGN Plus. Mm -hmm. um, very, very long-time subscribers will remember that we used to have IGN Prime, and IGN Plus is like the newer, fancier version of IGN Prime. And as IGN Plus, you get a variety of kind of premium benefits. Um, it's inexpensive. If you sign up for a year, it's only $2.50 a month. So, Damon, I think you'd be crazy you, not to buy you it. You can't afford not to buy it. <laughs> um, no, it does help, you know, support IGN, support Gamescoop. But um, if you do sign up, you get access to uh, Steam games and games on other platforms. Mm -hmm. So we're giving away Kingdom New Lands right now, which I think is like 10 or $15 on Steam. And for your 250 subscription, you just get a copy of Kingdom to keep forever. Um, a variety of other games, you know, other benefits around the web, including getting to browse IGN ad-free, which is pretty nice. Yeah, that is nice. Cool. You can check all that out at IGN.com slash rewards. You know, before IGN Prime, there was IGN Insider. Mm -hmm. That's the, as the real old school IGN fans will remember. You were, if you were an IGN Insider, you could download all of our articles. <laughs> you, could, you could print all of our articles out. <laughs> pages and pages of IGN articles. Uh, okay, Mario trailer. The Super Mario movie. The trailer's out there now. 
Jack Black steals the show. Everyone loves him as Bowser, seems to be having a great time. Actually, let's start with Colin. I know Colin's been very excited about this. Colin, what did you make of this trailer? <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into it, but the moment it started, something inside of me just sort of like got really excited. Mm -hmm. Like a, a child inside of me was just like, oh my God, there's a Mario movie. <laughs> and the imagery of the first half of the trailer with, um, we can see it now, but uh, yeah. Bowser's giant, castle floating ship thing and his army of koopas and comic and everyone coming and to just destroy this <laughs> this uh um kingdom of penguins um it just looks visually very good and there's a lot of like good physical humor going on in this beginning section um i hope that mario punts one of the uh penguins off a cliff at some point in this movie mm -hmm. just to yeah. just to give a little bit of reference mm -hmm. to uh mario 64 but um then the second half of the trailer is mario and toad and it's it's hard to watch because the entire time <laughs> you're just like yeah that's chris pratt uh that is chris pratt doing a vaguely slightly new york italian accent but i guess it's mario and that's fine so I, I I might have to watch the trailer a few more times to just sort of like get past just knowing that that's Chris Pratt. But uh, King and Michael Key sounded great as Toad, um, and I think it's gonna be pretty good. We just have to remember it's a kids movie, you know. Like sure. we're not expecting like high high you know drama out of this, but uh, I think it's gonna be fun. I think this is going to be a good movie. Justin, you were, you were saying earlier that maybe they, the reason they lean so hard into Bowser is because Mario's the one that everyone is... Yeah, I mean, I think, like, so granted, this is just a teaser trailer, mm -hmm. like, but there's very little Mario sure. in the Super Mario Brothers <clears throat> movie trailer, like, and I have to imagine that that's deliberate, like, you know, they know that people are kind of weird about the Chris Pratt Mario voice. They also know they can't hide it forever. So sure. I think they went very like Bowser forward. And then it, what Mario has like one line in the he, trailer. I think he has like less than, he says like less than 20 words. I yeah. Think, and so, and I, and we, I, don't, I don't think that fewer? that's an accident. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a little bit odd, too, because they did kind of frame this as a teaser, but it felt a lot longer than what would normally that would normally be seen as a yeah. teaser. I was genuinely a little bit um, like surprised that we got that giant opening bit with Bowser. It seemed to go on really long. Uh, but but to Colin's point, like it, it reminded me that there is still a child inside me. And it just I was smiling from ear to ear uh, throughout this entire opening, just just seeing like Bowser's castle floating through the the air and dropping the chains like i was half expecting to see xor from uh, super mario rpg just <laughs> swing in just just like like seeing this put to film or put to digital is yeah. just like a reminder that there are so many fun possibilities that are now in play mm -hmm. uh you know all our mario games aren't traditionally narrative based or anything like that but the ones that are paper marios your super paper marios and of course mario rpg remind me that the the mushroom kingdom is a fun place full of a lot of visual gags and humor and i think that's something that um illumination is uh, particularly good at doing just a lot of the easy physical comedy stuff uh, but that said i do take a little bit of umbrage with saying it's just a kid's film because I do think that that is an easy way out for studios that make bad movies. Hmm. And I think hmm. that you can look to stuff like Mitchell's versus the Machines uh, as being good for all ages and with the good message, uh, good animation, and just overall funny. So I, I want to hold them to a higher standard. I don't think any of the Despicable Me movies or Minion movies have been particularly for me. And I do think this is skewing for a similar audience. But I have hope that this can be a little bit fun. Also... Chris Pratt as Mario. I feel like uh, he had, you know, you, you have one shot to make an impression. <laughs> Not the best first impression, mostly because I don't really have any issues with the voice, more so just from like a producing perspective of how do you elicit a big wow with the first words that are coming out of your mouth. And I don't think I quite got that with yeah. his Mario. Yeah. Nothing stood out to me. And I think that's a big problem where it's just you didn't leave much of an impression. Yeah. I think they want the voice to be just kind of a nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that was part of mm -hmm. one of their goals with this teaser trailer. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of the character and the role that he he plays in the Lego movies, too. He's just supposed to be like an, 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 a forgettable... He's just everyone. an average Joe. Yeah, right? Is yeah. this recreating the events from the original Super Mario Brothers where he <laughs> is basically transported from our world well, into this digital but, or mushroom kingdom? I, yeah. Go ahead, Colin. 
No, I, I agree. I think you see that portal right at the beginning of the mm -hmm. Mario section, and clearly this is like a bizarre alien place to him. So I think we're going to get live action Chris Pratt as a plumber in New oh, York City, and then I think he's going to get transported. It's just a theory, but sure. like that's the vibe that I'm getting here. So if that's true, if, if the movie opens with live action with Chris Pratt, you, he has to have like an uh, yeah. a, an enemy, a real enemy in real life, played by Jack Black, right? Those are the rules. <laughs> That's the rules. Hey, the, the office Those boss. Are the rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I will say, I think Illumination. Um, actually, I mean, Despicable Me One is really good. I, I've heard. I, like, and I just I've been a little bit soured with yes, minions and stuff. Like right on. But like, they're not. Those movies are. Um, I think that the Mario movie looks a lot more visually interesting and epic in scope, and they're, they're, it's a higher caliber of animation than what I'm used to seeing from the Minions movies and Despicable Me movies. Like, this movie looks expensive and luxurious mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. really gorgeous, yeah. and, you know, rightfully so, everyone has a lot to say about the casting and voice acting, but I, I kind of don't want to gloss over that some of the technical effects that we're seeing. Like, it just looks epic, right? It, look, it looks really good. I love all the Bowser stuff. You know I like a bipedal lizard breathing fire. Well, who I'm, doesn't? I'm who doesn't? Get that <laughs> and, he got a, and he's got a power star. I mean, he's yeah, got a power star. Yeah. One power thing, star. One thing that we haven't touched on, though, is the, the little little glimpse we got of Luigi. Oh, yeah, that's the sort of after the like, uh, logo. Yeah. They're doing it like a Luigi's Mansion type thing, which is cool. I mean, that's yeah. I'm all in. When you say there's yeah. a potential Luigi's Mansion like spin-off story that's happening maybe at the same time, like that's exactly what I want. Give me, mm -hmm. give me Luigi's yeah. Mansion as an animated spin-off or something, and I'll be a happy boy. So here's my question. What are the odds that Nintendo has a game it's been working on in secret to go to coincide with this film? Oh. With the cast? Is there a Super Mario movie the game? Oh man. Or or consider the follow-up to I mean, Mario Odyssey. I think that we're definitely yeah. I shouldn't say definitely. I think that we're gonna get a Mario game. Um, I don't mm. think it's gonna be related to the movie. I mean we know the Mario Odyssey team yeah. Mario Odyssey is five years old. Right? I know, yeah. So that sort of A team, that Mario team has been working on something. Mm. Colin, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I, I think that they could time a game to come out around uh, when the movie does. Well, it's April 7th, so it's probably too soon. Um, I don't know. It's just hard to say. There's so many companies that have been doing movie and TV show tie-ins for the video games lately. You know, we just got The Last of Us, and it seems pretty clear that they did that remake, so it would be on store shelves for when people watch the HBO show. Yeah. But I, I don't think, I mean, because this movie, April 7th, I, I highly doubt that Nintendo would announce a game, a new, brand new Mario game, and release it in time for it to come out with the movie. But, you know, Mario Odyssey, even though it's getting close to six years old, uh, I guess more like five years old at this point, yeah. um, it, it's still on their newest platform. It's still at like their highest level of quality that they can make on that platform, basically. Um, and it's an amazing game. So I, I don't know if they necessarily have to make a tie-in because if, if people watch this movie and they want to get the new Mario game and the new Mario game is Mario Odyssey, even if it's five years old, it's still like an absolute banger, you oh, know? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like Miyamoto, it, it's so odd to see Mario coming out as a movie because Miyamoto has been, you know, way back when, maybe he's recanted on his position, but he has been uh, kind of infamously notorious for just not wanting story in video games. Mm. And so that makes me think that there is going to be no um, movie tie-in game for this, um, especially since we've already kind of seen a little bit of what we assume is a glimpse at the next Odyssey 2 or whatever that looks like in Bowser's Fury where we've seen this kind of semi-open world approach to Mario that is very based in the Super Mario 3D world kind of framework with the movement capabilities of something like Odyssey. So that's what I hope we get next, mm -hmm. something that is a bigger Bowser's Fury to some extent. And I think it'll just be nice coincidental timing that everyone will be saying the word Super Mario, and then just another game is going to come out as a result. Mm. Well, I know, I know the Switch couldn't handle it, but I want to play a Mario game that looks like this. No, oh, man, that would look incredible. <laughs> And I also kind of, I feel like Miyamoto's career, I feel like it's all been leading up to this, yeah. right? Like he- You got the theme park. Yeah, like, you got the theme park. He's, yeah. He created these characters yeah. in the early 80s that became more recognizable to children around the world than Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, if you've played Wind Waker recently, but the opening hours of that game totally feel like you're playing like an animated movie. I just feel mm -hmm. like now he's like, after all this time, after all these decades, he's finally making like a film now. Yep. 
Are mm-hmm. we going to get a mm-hmm. Zelda movie next? I mean, <laughs> well, who's going to do Link's voice? <laughs> Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, that's a curse. <laughs> See, that's an easy. That's an easy out. He never says anything. You just need a. You just need a hot, hot voice actor, <laughs> yeah. and you're good to go. Uh, anyway, what? April seventh, the Mario movie. I'm excited. It looks take, good. Take my kids. Uh, yeah, maybe that'll be. I mean, I haven't taken my son to a movie yet. He'll be first one. Oh wow, almost, that's a powerful first. He'll be movie. almost four at that point. Do you, do you, do you, that you sounds might, good. You might cry if you did that. That's true. Yeah, if I'm, but the first movie I take my son to is the Mario movie. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, whew. I know, I know that. Feeling. And then you show up, and it's just the old '92 Mario movie live action, <laughs> or, or like you take your kid, and then like they don't like you know they're bored. For, yeah. I, I'm ready to go. Yeah, like minutes, 45 yeah. minutes, <laughs> and they're like, oh no. <laughs> This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com slash gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. CD Projekt announced the the roadmap for all the games that they're working on, and several of which aren't even going to be out on this generation. They'll be PlayStation 6, Xbox Series Y games. Uh, Where to begin? Orion, that's their next Cyberpunk game. I'm so excited! A sequel to Cyberpunk. I'm so happy. Like, I don't know know whether I'm, like, surprised or not, but, like, Cyberpunk has been on such a journey that, like, I was kind of ready and willing to just accept, because I, like... The context here is that I love Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredible and one of the best video game narratives I've ever experienced. And I kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if I expected a sequel or not. On the one hand, it sold 20 million copies. Mm-hmm. So goodness gracious, give me a break. But on the other hand, like, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a weird long journey to get to where that game is now. Yeah. And so I'm mm-hmm. just very, very excited and happy and relieved to see that they're going to give it another shot. And, um, and I think it's some of the best games writing ever, some of the best character writing in games ever. And then the gameplay, I think the gameplay is good. I think it's mm-hmm. fun. I don't think it's like exceptional top tier. Like I think it's the world design and the narrative design carrying that game. And so to have them take another crack at, um, at refining and improving the actual like cyberpunk, like hacking, shooting combat, and then hopefully still have that best of breed writing, like, I, I, you know, I'm excited to see them give it another shot. And that's in addition to the DLC for the first one that's coming mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. There's Phantom also Liberty, mm-hmm. right? Phantom mm-hmm. Liberty, yeah. That sounds right. Uh, then the next cool time... Oh, sorry. Colin, go ahead. Oh, no, I apologize. I was just saying it's a cool name. 
Phantom Liberty, yeah. So the next Cyberpunk yeah. is going to be developed by a brand new studio that CD Projekt set up here in the U.S. But it's going to be some mm. of the same, like some of the key staff of the first game are moving to the U.S. to like establish this studio and then hire up the rest of the team to make yeah. a new Cyberpunk. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, unless it is, so there was a rumored second Cyberpunk expansion that mm-hmm. um, I don't know if mm-hmm. it was ever rumored or announced, but um, anyway, like there was going to be two and they changed it to one. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that in, if this sequel is that DLC expanded into a new game, maybe it's not that far away. But if it truly sure. is, like we're hiring up to make a new game, like dude, it's going to mm-hmm. be so far that's, away. That's what all these three, seem like. mm-hmm. three to five years yeah. at least. Yeah. And, and, and I do, I think you're correct, Justin. I believe they had a roadmap when they initially launched Cyberpunk that we would get two DLCs along with an expansion. And I know they've done some cosmetics, uh, mm-hmm. like micro DLCs. Uh, but yeah, from the the sense I'm getting based on their kind of reevaluation of Cyberpunk post launch, it it is going to be. I would assume, like most companies, a lot of good ideas that are going to get rolled over into the next game. And honestly, based on their track record of jumping from one game to the next, and obviously this is divorced from The Witcher, but like I am now subconsciously kind of expecting that jump from the original Witcher to The Witcher 2 as just like this ground-shaking evolution of what was established in this first game. And maybe that's me already falling into the pitfalls of hype cycles that I'm prone to, but hey... I'd like to be positive, especially with a game like Cyberpunk. It was a game I was excited about for about a decade. And, I, you know, I, I had a good time with it. I spent about 60-plus hours in Night City, and I had a good time. But I think the momentum that they've got with stuff like Edge Runners and mm-hmm. even the additional, um, like, uh, media elements, like the comic book centered around the trauma team, they're all good and fascinating stories. And that's all, I think, a testament to Mike Pondsmith's writing. Uh, his tabletop origins for this world are so fun and they're so uh, ripe for explorations. And it's just it's just a set of mixed the backdrop of uh, corporate espionage, uh, punk anti-corporate sentiment. And I think that's just uh, the perfect breeding ground for something that is, you know, based in a video game. I, I think it, you can go anywhere with it, which is exciting. Yeah. Okay, so another new Cyberpunk. And then a new Witcher trilogy. Mm-hmm. A whole trilogy <laughs> that's going to be a triple-A RPG trilogy. Maybe four or five, six, or maybe just three other stories at some other time. Mm-hmm. I think that Cyberpunk came out and was a shit show. Mm-hmm. And then the CD Projekt board and executives immediately got into a room and said, Guys, guys, we got to go back. <laughs> Where's Geralt? Get him back out of here. <laughs> or Siri in this instance. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's in pre-production. Uh, it says... It's the beginning of a new saga. They're preparing technology. It's going to be on Unreal Engine 5. So they said there's going to be need mm. some time to, to, to work in making this technology. They need yeah. some extra effort to deliver. Which that is, that's not a trivial, mm-hmm. but it's like an engine switch, right? Which is like a yeah. really uh, disruptive foundational change to a way that a studio makes games. So. Yeah. But is, is there, yeah. again, part I am not a game developer, but the shift to Unreal Engine 5 does seem to kind of broaden how many people can actually approach this new engine just because it is you know, anyone can download Unreal Engine 5, and obviously it's going to take a lot to implement that into a giant company, but it seems like it could essentially speed up production, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Uh, that, that's just a guess on my part. But in regards to the new Witcher trilogy, didn't they also kind of reveal a while back that this is centered around a brand new Witcher school that has not been uh, featured in any of the games? It's like the school of the panther or something like that yeah there was that teaser mm. little emblem thing and it's like and it was, not, it was like an icon covered in snow enough in the lore to know i remember like there was like breakdowns of like what that meant yeah because I, I know that there is a school of the cat in the witcher and that's all different things that all the different witchers study under but i believe this is a brand new one if i'm not mistaken i'm sure somebody will correct me mm. but i could have swore it was like oh that's a brand new thing I don't think anyone has ever corrected another person on the internet. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> especially, especially on IGN.com. So, a Witcher trilogy, and then a separate, full-fledged Witcher game, separate to this new saga. And it's uh, developed uh-huh. by an external studio. Is this the one that's a mystery? Nobody's, nobody knows who's making this new Witcher game. Uh, yeah, we don't that's know who's the, making that's, it. Is that the multiplayer one? No. That's another one. Well, I thought <laughs> the multiplayer one? Uh, yes. That's oh. the code name for, uh, yeah, Sirius. So it sounds like in, you know, Colin, maybe this is what you were about to get into. Like they announced like eight games, right? Like it seems insane, but like, it's kind of not like they announced their roadmap for what CD project is working Mm -hmm. on. And then they've acquired and partnered with third parties Mm -hmm. to do like Mm -hmm. brand extensions. So 
it's really not as crazy or unusual as it initially seems, right? Like, they're going to have these mm-hmm. mainline Witcher games and then different studios doing different takes on the Witcher. Sure. And so, they, it could mm-hmm. be something smaller in scale, like Gwent was, yep. right? They, yep. they released Gwent with mm-hmm. a, a single-player campaign. They, they also made that, um, yep. what is it, Throne Killer Thronebreaker? or something yeah. like that? Thronebreaker, yeah. Thronebreaker, that's what it was, where it is basically like a, almost a, a tabletop-adjacent board game that is centered around uh, Gwent as its combat mechanic. So... Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm into that. Yeah. So yeah. I think five Witcher games in total, and then a whole separate third big game that's an entirely new thing that isn't based on a license. Good. Like they acquired with Witcher. Why do you need to announce that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> Just like, so we can talk about it on GameScoop. <laughs> no, come I mean, on. I've talked about before. Like, I actually appreciate, like, I really love the Bioware approach of, like, yes, we're making, you know, a new Mass Effect. We're not going to talk about it for years. And I'm like, okay, like, I respect you for that. Thank you for saying that. But like, mm-hmm. when it's, mm-hmm. well, we're making another new game in a new world. It's like, you don't need to, you can <laughs> probably just keep that one to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think is, CD Projekt Red is in such a weird position right now because they lost probably the most goodwill of any gaming company ever mm-hmm. as quickly as possible with Cyberpunk 2077. And then over the last year, especially in the last few months, they've regained a decent amount of it yeah. back. Yeah. Um, which, I, I kudos to them. That put that takes a lot of work, and they put so much effort into getting that game to a good place. But, you know, it, I still feel, like, pretty cautious about this whole thing. Like you were saying, Justin, there are several studios, a different, a US one, Molasses Flood, some mystery studio and CD projects, multiple studios, you know, working on all of this stuff. But, you know, we, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 was announced in like, what, 2013 right? or something crazy like that? Yeah, was I, it 2012? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe and, announced. And then I think that original teaser trailer was 2013. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously they were working on The Witcher 3. And then once that was done, they went full force into working on Cyberpunk 2077. But they were full force working on that game for years, you know, and they had their full effort behind it. And then, you know, it got delayed so many times. I think it was delayed at least a year from its initial date that they gave at one point. So they got an extra year of development time. And then it came out, you know, in a pretty unacceptable state on most platforms. And then it needed another year plus to get to where it is now. You know, so that took a lot of time and basically all of the manpower of CD Projekt Red. Mm-hmm. And now they've got, what was the count? Seven projects? I think so. And of course, well, it is split between a bunch of different places, but it's a lot, you know? And so that's... it's just, it's interesting to see how they're going to tackle this because, you know, it, it, obviously I'm not a game developer. I don't have the expertise to really speak to this directly, but just sort of looking at it laid out like that, you know, they say that they're going to release three Witcher games in a period of six years. So that's three years between each game and then however many years it takes to get to that first one. You know, okay, that still seems like a pretty tight turnaround for games nowadays. You know, we used to see games in series like Final Fantasy. We could get a new one every year or two. But nowadays, development, it takes so long. So, you know, I just don't want to see them set themselves up for failure. You know, they're, they're really announcing so much right now that I don't want to have to see them down the line, have to sort of go back and say, no, actually, we can't do this. We, we, we need more time. I think at the very least, I, I trust them not to repeat the same mistake that they did with Cyberpunk 2077. I do not think that they're going to release a broken game again. I think they would far sooner not stick to that like six-year window for those Witcher games, uh, give the development team more time, and then come out with you know good products at, at launch. So it's just it's just interesting. I have so many conflicting emotions. I think it's very exciting that these games are happening, and I think that they could be pulled off. But I just I just worry that you know it's it's a lot. You had something to say? Oh, I just think everything's going to go great. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> there are some IGN commenters that share your concern, Colin. Some some commenters are taking this to mean that CD Projekt hasn't learned anything from Cyberpunk. But, but it's but, totally different because yeah. they just announced that these are things that are happening. They showed us nothing, not even mm. logos of anything. Yeah. They were not promising any gameplay elements. It's just... I think they didn't ever... Like the headline, including maybe IGN's, I don't think is quite right. Mm. Like it's like, oh, CD Projekt announced seven or eight games. And it's like, I guess they did, but like not really... Like they announced that third parties are making two games. They announced a trilogy, but only really the first game 
Like, that's the only one that, like, matters. Like, that's the ones yeah. that are ahead of us. And then later, mm. there's going to be sequels to that game. And they've already kind of yeah. announced mm. that. And then a separate mm. group, a new studio, is making a new Cyberpunk. So it's like, if you really, it's like Cyberpunk and that next Witcher, mainline Witcher game. Those are, like, the two things that are sort of, like, an active, heavy development within mm. CD Projekt itself. And they're at separate, you know, it's going to be separate teams working on both. So, I don't mm. know. I, I have a little bit of a different take on mm. it, I guess. I mean, to me, it just seems like as a company, it's also a way of showing, yeah, we do have long-term plans. Like, I would be a little bit alarmed, like, yeah, we've got nothing in the works for the next 10 years. we got to fix Cyberpunk. So, like, like knowing that they are working, like, there are dedicated plans, I, I feel like is almost, like, reassuring the fans that they are not going to abandon the Cyberpunk mm -hmm. as an IP, that they are going to mm -hmm. iterate on, and, as well as that they have a roadmap in mind for The Witcher. Be vague about it. It's fine. I, I, I like the idea of, like, yeah, we've planned ahead. We are... Uh, responsible company i don't know if they actually are but just showing us hey yeah we've, we've crunched the numbers we've got this in the works and that's it well and i also wonder I if i think that people love witcher and are very excited that the witch is coming back but there's also a um an undercurrent or an argument of like it could be seen as a negative like they're returning to the well after cyberpunk didn't go that well it could be seen as a negative or seen as i wish they would do something new or like what if, they were, what if they were radio silent for like three years and then unveiled a new Witcher? Like, there would definitely be an element of like, oh, they're just back to, you know, back to their old thing again. And so to get all that out of the way now and to kind of help build hype for like whatever the next generation of the Witcher is, mm -hmm. I think it's probably pretty mm -hmm. smart. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think Phantom Liberty will give us a very good indication of their sort of health as a development studio. Um, and I'm very excited for it. I, I, I genuinely think that Phantom Liberty is going to be good. So I think if that comes out and it sort of hits pretty high expectations for, you know, big uh, expansion DLC, from then I think I will be a little bit less worried about the rest of the projects going on at CD Projekt Red. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's, it's just, it's so interesting. I can't remember another time that a studio sort of did this like marvel does this all the time but yeah. video game uh publishers it's 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 kind of a rarity yeah marvel does this in hall h at comic-con mm -hmm. yeah yeah what if nintendo <laughs> just told us you're the next game to work on for the next this is the years. mario saga the power star saga <laughs> yeah the it shine is, saga <laughs> it does feel like like i've been the voice probably most enthusiastic and excited about this news but even like does it go well when people announce a trilogy in advance does it, how often is that like turn out to be a good thing in hindsight? Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's true, but they made it all at once. Mm, but then, also, but then there's the Hobbit trilogy, and that was yeah, I know that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was um, that was only 25, 30 years ago too. So I mean, I know. Got to consider that. <laughs> I think it's almost it's just over twenty years ago. I think. Okay, I think. Someone mentioned The Last of Us Part 1 recently on this show. Colin Mito mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's out, and it's you know, very good. There's still some questions about whether it's necessary. Sure, but it's good. It's very mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. The best way to play that game mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. What if there's an even more recent game <laughs> that Sony could be looking at remaking? Because there are two reports this week. Uh, this is not official, but two reports this week that Horizon Zero Dawn, the five-year-old game, Horizon Zero Dawn, I guess almost six years, but still. It's the next PlayStation exclusive to be to get the remake treatment. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting one because mm -hmm. I mean the story of this game. A lot of people like a lot of lot, this game has lots of fans. Lots lots of people really enjoy this game. Mm -hmm. But the story is that it came out and then it was immediately overshadowed by Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. which was a little bit more open with its traversal and you know you could climb anything. And then the sequel Horizon Forbidden West fixed a lot of that. It is much more open, although not quite as open as, mm -hmm. as some other games. But then it also got overshadowed by Elden Ring. So, what if this remake comes out and then it's overshadowed by an Ocarina of Time? Or, uh, or, <laughs> oh my god! Or Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> but yeah, the question is: Is this? I don't know. If this is true, what is happening at Sony? Is this their new strategy? Are they just going to remake everything they can, pull it up to the, the current level of their current hardware? I don't know, Nick. What do you think? It's it's uh, honestly since this is the first time this has happened really in the industry, it, it's a little bit shocking how quick this is starting to happen. When especially when there's other titles that are locked behind like hardware generations that I'm like, can what what about Metal Gear Solid Four? What are you gonna bring? Yeah. When are you gonna make that playable on modern hardware, please? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very puzzling 
Like, we heard, like, I don't think we ever had this confirmed with The Last of Us remake, but the sort of scuttlebutt was that game existed because kind of a specific confluence of events at Naughty Dog. Like, there was technical staff that mm -hmm. wasn't ready to move on to the next project, and then there was the show, and so, okay, let's put them on remaking Last of Us. But, like, that certainly isn't true here with Horizon. Yeah. And, and maybe, and who knows? Again, they, they, they understand their engine a lot more, the team over at Gorilla, than obviously everyone sitting here on the couch. But it does make me think, like, is this gonna just get a Horizon Forbidden West, like, graphics pass like is it gonna look like the same uh fidelity as something like horizon forbidden west uh maybe who, who knows but uh i i also picked up the last of us part one remix so maybe i'm part of the problem <laughs> uh but but the, the thing that that game did was uh that was so impressive to me was it did offer some pretty impressive um like options to play through the game so you have your fidelity and 4k native resolution at 30 frames a second you have your performance at dynamic 4k 60 frames a second and then they got a little bit fancy with it this time where uh, i i luckily own a 120 hertz uh, variable refresh rate tv so the game offers the ability to do like an unlocked uh, fidelity mode mm -hmm. because I think you know if, if a game is getting the treatment that it is getting a a graphical overhaul I think it is almost your duty to play it in graphical uh, fidelity mode because I got to see those 4k textures baby but yep. the game does run at a higher than 30 frames per second if you are playing in these very strange circumstances so I'm hoping that stuff like that is kind of the precedent moving forward for all PlayStation titles and I would like to see the original Horizon get that treatment but I feel like it kind of already did with its PS5 update, it. on, on, like the PS4 game with the PS5 update. You can play it at 60 frames per second at, uh, what is it, the, the letterbox 4K. Yeah, that's how I played it. And it looks great. Yeah, it I looks. Mean, yeah, it, the it game doesn't... still looks good. I played it right for the first time right mm -hmm. before Forbidden West, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, what a beautiful looking game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Colin, what do you I, think of all this? I think... I think it's becoming more and more clear that a lot of these are being done to tie in with either their movie or their TV show counterparts to, to boost show, right? those sales. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think they did The Last of Us Part 1 largely because I think they wanted that as a PS5 game on store shelves for people to pick up after they see the show. And I think they wanted it to sort of be in the best condition that it could be, you know? And and I think that's, I think that's largely what's going to happen here is I think they want this game on a native PS5 disc in a box that says PS5 for people for people to pick up. And you know, it's it's interesting because it is a PS4 game originally, which mm -hmm. is it's not that old, you know. It's it's less old than The Last of Us was, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's I, I don't think anyone is really sitting here saying, oh, it needs a remake or a, or a really heavy-duty remaster. But, yeah, I really think it just comes down to, you know, the Netflix TV show is going to come out at some point, and I think that they just want to be ready for that. We saw we saw how much Edge Runners boosted sales for Cyberpunk 2077. You know, I think it's clear that this sure. is, like, a helpful, synergistic, I hate to say that, relationship. <laughs> but I think it is, and I think that's exactly what Sony's doing. I mean, yeah. Granted, this is just a rumor, so we're outside of Sony's controlled true, messaging true, true. and marketing. But, like, the messaging and marketing and positioning of stuff like this matters so much. Like, when I think about the Nintendo Switch, half of the games on that platform that I think about and like and play are, are ports, right? Mm -hmm. Like, including Mario Kart 8, by the way, which is, like, the best, like, when, that's, like, the game that a lot of people picture when they're picturing mm -hmm. a Switch. And it's not. It's a Wii U game, right? But Nintendo mm -hmm. yeah. was smart and careful about what games they ported over and when and like i think that they very deliberately kind of controlled the message that like oh this is just a port machine and this leak coming so fast on the heels of the last of us as great as that remake and technically accomplished it might be um you know coupled with the fact that like ps5 exclusive games seem to be delayed it just takes a long time to make video games now like mm -hmm. it's been a while since we've gotten a big first party exclusive ps5 game that like it's just kind of bad timing, is all. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to get a yeah. Last of Us Part Two remake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will at some point. Um, I have to assume the cost-benefit ratio of, of doing something like The Last of Us Part One, something like this, if it's real, is is pretty good. Because I, I have to assume it's way less money to, to sort of make a game from off the bones of an existing game than it is to start one from the ground up. A lot like, less time, a lot less manpower, you know? I think, yeah, video game executives have figured, they're like, wait a second, why make new video games and we can just keep remaking the old video I mean, games? Yeah. <laughs> if, if Colin's theory is true that like these 
remakes are being they're they're just meant to be there on shelves in a fancy new package when people discover mm. these properties through their TV shows. If that's the real reason, I can't help but feel feel a little cynical about that because it's not they're not yeah. coming out of like someone's like like passion or someone that has I've got a great idea for a video game that I really want to get out there. They're just like. It's and a, what does that say cold... about something like God of War Ragnarok, right? Yeah. That game is supposed to launch mm -hmm. on PS4 and PS5. Are we going to get a PS5 enhanced edition later on that is... It's not coming <laughs> to PS4. This is the, the super PS5 edition. Yeah. Like, why, why has God of War not gotten this treatment? And not not saying it deserves it or needs it, but it's just, at what point do you draw a line? Yeah. Man, God of War, it's already mm -hmm. October. God of War is almost here. Wait, what? It's is almost it? here. It's only, it's only like a month and three days away. It's crazy. Yeah. Dude, that's my favorite thing about getting older and time <laughs> passing faster. Oof. It doesn't it's like, take God forever. Oh, it's like two years away, and then bam, it's here. That's a real I'm, thing. Yeah. I'm moving to LA soon, and I strategically timed my move, so I would have time to play that game at home <laughs> yeah. before having to deal with my move. <laughs> well, when you, we look forward to having you here in the studio with us. Right here on the couch. Yeah. Oh, this room will yeah, squeeze yeah. you in. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what if I told you another lost NES game has been found? Get out. There's another one. Uh, so, a lost by meaning it was an NES game made back in the day during the lifespan of the NES, but that was never released. It's been found, and it's going to be, it's, been, it's being spiffed up, and, and it's going to be released, and it's a Garbage Pail Kids game. lost his mind when he found out. I can't believe it, like... We've, I've never even heard of this game before. Like, I, mm -hmm. it wasn't even a known quantity that this had been made at the time and was never released. It's called Garbage Pail Kids: Mad Mike and the Quest for Stale Gum. The Garbage Pail Kids license would make a lot of sense to be made uh, mm -hmm. for a game on the NES back then, but the fact that it was never released probably could tell us a lot about the quality <laughs> of it. I think. Mm. So the fact that it's being released now, it's like a curiosity to me. Mm -hmm. I am actually I consider myself a Garbage Pail Kids fan. I have quite the collection at home. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if this game's actually going to be any good. And when this, this is just, uh, yeah, here, so we, th there's some screenshots that are out there, but there's no footage of it. And that tells me they're, they're not letting us see what it actually looks like in motion, so. Mm. I mean, it looks yeah. good. Yeah. Like, the screenshots I mean, look the good. The screenshots look fine, yeah. But there's no, like, trailer for it or anything, so I don't know. Don't know what we should really expect. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luke Puke. Do you get it? Yeah. There was never... Oh my god. There was never a Cabbage Patch Kids game, was there? Not for NES, uh, because Cabbage Patch Kids, the, the, the crest of their popularity was actually before the yeah. NES. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like an Atari yeah. 2600 or 7800 Cabbage right. Patch yeah. Kids game. Mm. Anyway, this, ga this game is out this month, October 25th. It's coming from im 8 bit and Retrotainment Games. I think they make, mm. they, they do physical re-releases of... Like the limited run yeah. style thing? Yeah, and the physical releases of new NES games, older games. Features four playable characters, six levels, a trading card system. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that's the game. It's coming up, coming up this month. I, you, you do this thing where right before we do a game scoop, you send us like roughly what we're going to be talking about. I was like, oh, like I saw this as a headline. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not a big Garbage Pail Kids guy, but I decided <laughs> to look in on this and I went down this rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. I found the Garbage Pail Kids subreddit. People sure. were excited about it. Uh, I originally thought this game would look like Mega Man with the trading card thing that you yeah. would get a different power based on whatever Garbage Pail Kid you got. Yeah. It looks cool. And also question. How are they making a physical cartridge with the whole Nintendo owning the the rights to make cartridges? Isn't that like a dilemma? They I mean, still you see old. I actually that's a good question because to, I don't think any of the limited release ones are actually functioning NES cartridges. I think they're just no, they but are. there have Shells. been new. But they released oh, okay. like there was a there was a Sega Genesis game that came out a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've always assumed that those were licensed to Nintendo and Sega and whomever were getting their kind of normal cut of the sale. Maybe eventually that kind of expires, and anybody's mm. allowed to like make those. The statute of limitations has run out. Something. <laughs> on the new cartridges. Get them on the toilet. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a great. I, mean, I was yeah. gonna say, like, I don't know if this game is like, good or not, but like, it does not look like bottom trash tier NES game. No, I agree with you. The mm. screens are good, but maybe they yeah. couldn't get like Nintendo Power on board to actually show it in their magazines. So yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Mm. There was no ESRB back then. Luke puke. Yeah. Anyway, that's coming this month. That's it's a cool. rhyme. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
Justin, I've been playing a mobile game. Oh, mm-hmm. congratulations. <sighs> and it's actually on the recommendation of one of our listeners, Patrick Myers, who writes in to say, I used to be a hardcore gamer. Mm. But I'm blessed to be a father of two younger boys now. Gaming has taken a backseat. Sure. My boys are playing games on the PS5 and PC, but there usually isn't time for me to jump on and grind like I enjoy doing. Yeah, you're so dead. Kick them off. Mobile gaming has become my main <laughs> way to get some gaming time in. I've played a bunch of the newer and quite fancy free-to-play games, and they are great to a point. There's a pretty clear line in those games where it turns into pay to win. Yeah which is fine, I play for a while more, maybe I'll buy a season pass, but eventually I hit a ceiling. That's happened with a few games lately, such as Diablo Immortal, Dragon Trail, and Marvel Revolutions, to name a few. As amazed as I've been with the amount of money some people spend on these games, they don't last, and I definitely don't get to the real end game. However, Hero Emblems 2 came out. I've hmm. spent 95 hours on it, and Whoa. I still haven't finished my first playthrough. I think I spent eight bucks on it. So money nice. well spent, IMO. This is it right here. But I don't, I don't see a lot of news or mention of it anywhere. I can't find a strategy guide for some of the optional bosses. Hero Emblems 1 was a hit, and there were forums and guides almost immediately. Oh, is this yeah. yet another bad side effect of the AAA mobile games that are free to play? Do the games that cost a little and didn't have a monstrous budget get overlooked? Anyways, if you like match three games, this is the ultimate game. Some boss matches can take an hour or two, and you can pause and take breaks so they don't kill your day. Yeah, I mean, this looks like a daily game, so I I, I paid seven bucks for it, Yeah, and it's a great RPG match three game. Is it like a puzzle and dragons type? Because it kind of looks like that. That Yeah, it's like you have members of your party, and they're represented by, each one is represented by different gems, so depending on what gems you match, that character will attack or heal, whatever. There's a a town hub? Is there a hub? There's a whole world world that you go on. You you earn money, you buy new weapons, new spells, armor. This is a dangerous precedent. I mean, I'd forgotten you unlocked... Like, I played the original Hero Emblems, and it was, gosh, I don't know how long ago. Eight years ago? Like, you know, a long, long time ago, like early App Store, to my memory. And it's out. I think this just came out over the summer. Cool. Hero Emblems 2. Yeah. I recommend it. Now you just, you gotta download Battle Cats next. Battle Cats? Yeah. That one's you've been talking about for a while. I know. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Okay. (laughs) I got a a new uber super rare cat in Battle Cats. (laughs) Oh, how much have you dropped on uh, Battle Cat? Not a lot. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we have a public service announcement here from Jeff. PSA. Just wants to say, long-time listener here with the public service announcement. Nino Kuni arrived on Game Pass recently, and I think more people should play it. I'm getting mm-hmm. some nods mm-hmm. from Nick over here. You've played it? Yeah. yeah. I, I've actually never played it myself. He said, I've been replaying it since it came to Game Pass. I'm about 95% through the story so far. I noticed early on in the game that as I got story-based achievements, they were coming up as diamond-studded rare-tiered, meaning less than 10% of players had gotten that far. The last achievement I got around the 80% mark of the story said I was in the 2% of players who had gotten that far. So I thought... This is an unbelievably charming and beautiful game. I've loved every minute exploring it. If you enjoy JRPGs or RPGs in general, definitely give it a try. Question. Yeah. Why is that on such a little tiny piece of paper? Because I cut off <laughs> I cut off the video game for the questions answer. Uh, and I realized, but now I'm realizing uh, I cut off too much. Because I don't have the name of the person who sent it in. It's in my pocket. Anyway, uh, I have not played Nino Kuni myself, but it's a beautiful game. Yeah. You know, anytime someone says mm-hmm. anything about a level five game, I'm like yeah. Have you ever played a level five? They're pretty fun. They're pretty cool. Also, uh, one of the not the first foray for games uh, from Studio Ghibli alum, but this is uh, developed for with a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli alumni, and uh, I think the the game's like art direction really shines for it. Um, I think the game's pretty like simple, uh, and I think it's not the best level five game, but I think the world itself and the art direction mm-hmm. are more than enough to get me to kind of turn the other cheek when it comes to actually mm-hmm. continue to plug away on it. But I haven't played it on yeah. uh, the Game Pass version. I played it way back when it came out. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah that, okay. this is a different game. Right? Yeah, this yeah. is the mobile game okay. that came oh, out yeah. recently. Okay. Just, just for clarity. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nino Kuni's great. Like, and I don't mean this in a pejorative yeah. negative sense. It's just a really well done kind of traditional RPG, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's yeah. very beautiful, has that beautiful sort of cartoony art that it's really known for. The gameplay isn't bad. I also wouldn't, it's just a straight up regular JRPG, but like, it's, it's like done an old to Final like Fantasy. an immaculate level. It's 
just, very pretty. You just yeah. you get in turn-based battles. You yep. can attack. You can yep. heal. You can cast spells. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. it. it feels almost yeah. in the same vein of Dragon Quest, where it's very mm-hmm. like yeah. traditional like JRPG tropes and just very slow and methodical yeah. and episodic, but very warm and cozy feeling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's real yeah. nice. Game. There's uh, sequel was weird. it's it, yes. Hmm. It's interesting because uh, my favorite level five game is Dragon Quest Eight. Hmm. Um, very, very closely followed by the two Dark Cloud games. Dark Cloud. Um, I do love Dark Cloud so much. Um, and it's interesting because Nino Kuni, I went into that game knowing it was level five. And like, if you if you somehow do a weird math equation where you take out the, Jib- the Studio Ghibli-ish elements, you take out the sort of Dragon Quest-ish elements, there's some vibe to that game that feels very like a, a kindred spirit with Dragon Quest Eight to me. You know, the, the, the sense of adventure, all of the towns, the way you sort of move through the towns, it, it has a similar vibe to me. So I really, I really do love Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni 2, not as good. This is weird. But the original Nino Kuni, great. It's a weird sequel. It's like a war, yeah. you're like a it's war nothing at all assassin like man, and you're escorting a king. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw those little, what are those little things? I don't remember, man. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody That's knows. it. I don't think a lot of people play that many JRPGs on Game Pass, unfortunately. Was Nino Kuni 2? That was the game mm. that had the little Pikmin-looking things in it, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. it was. It's just... Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> All right. Bring Lost Odyssey to Game Pass. <laughs> Blue Dragon. This is... Oh, sorry. Uh, that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week mm-hmm. comes from Zane from Texas. Uh, he says, first time, long time. I've been listening to and enjoying GameSuite for years. Thanks to you and all the other mega cops for providing the only video game podcast for all of us viewers and listeners to catch up on the latest news and also look back at some nostalgic items every week. And with that, let the question begin. In-person question. Yeah. Yeah, I, think no. Col- I think Colin should open, though, because he's ready. Right. All right. Okay. I'm still, I'm still embarrassed that we missed... Uh, Genshin Impact Impact last week. Um, (laughs) So lots lots riding on this for me. Um, Okay, was this game released in this century? No. Mm. Okay, was this game released in the 90s? Yes. Is this game on the Super Nintendo? No. Is this game a console exclusive? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, it was. So it might... Okay. 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 Hmm. Was this game? It wasn't a Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this game exclusive to a Nintendo console? Yes. So it's either N sixty four handheld or late NES. Yeah. Hmm. Should we try to pin down the console? Yes. Yeah. It was this an N sixty four exclusive? Yes. Okay. Sweet. Console exclusive. Awesome. Was this game console developed exclusive. or published by Nintendo? No. Is this game uh, published by Game Freak? No. Okay. Sneaky, tricky. The way he said console exclusive has to make me assume that has something to do with PC as well. Well, maybe. Or, or, I think or just, Nintendo Switch, uh, the expansion. Yeah, like it just came out on other stuff later. Yeah, fair. Okay, okay. Or it could be StarCraft 64. Mm. Actually, have they remade? Have they brought that anywhere? Well. No, but it's like a you know, it's like a different, it's like a parallel universe. Version what if this is like a Quake sixty four situation? Yeah, that's what I'm th- exactly like Doom sixty four, something yeah. like that. I'm uh, trying to shoot him. If I could get a free one out of that. Watching his face. Was this game <laughs> developed in Japan? No, I think it might be Doom sixty four. Wow. Okay. It was, I, I think... Doom sixty four was an S, an FPS as well, right? Yes. Is this game a shooter? Yes. Is this ten? Uh, That's got to be the only shooter besides like GoldenEye and, and Perfect Dark on N64, right? Okay, yeah. So what other? I mean, there was Turok. There was a lot. Like you know, it doesn't okay, have yeah. to be Doom 64 at all. Yeah. So there was Turok. I, I think you are on the right because I feel like I felt something when I said Quake. I, I don't think there was a Quake 64, but I think I meant to say Doom, and I don't know. I felt I felt <laughs> that spark, that unseen tie between us. <laughs> We asked shooter. We didn't explicitly ask first-person shooter, but I don't think there was that many. I mean, I guess there was like Body Harvest and a few third-person shooters on N64. Mm-hmm. God, you got a Mega Man Legends on there? That, no, that was. Do we want to guess it? it? No, it was on N64 okay. as well. Um, or do we want to ask if it's developed by it? Uh, I mean, that's many, a, we have quite a few questions. Yep. 
10 questions to go. Yeah, was this developed by id? No. Oh, no. <laughs> do, you, do you fight, do you shoot and kill dinosaurs in this game? Yes. Oh! Yes! Is it a, but there's, so how, I don't know how many there are. Yeah, and I don't know which ones actually got put. Well, I think Turok 64 recently got republished by... Yeah. Um, there was Turok the Dinosaur Hunter. I think they made three of them on the N64. Didn't Night Dive just remake... Hmm. Turok 64? No, I don't know. Nobody can remember. We can ask <laughs> if it's the first of its name. Sure. Oh my. Is this game the first of its name? Yes. Is it Turok Dinosaur Hunter? Turok Dinosaur Yay! Yeah! <laughs> Nicely <laughs> job. 1997, released on PC the same year. Oh, oh okay. That at all. Yeah. That's a good bit of trivia there. I never yeah. knew that that got a contemporary Dude, look at PC these. port. Graphics are so sick. I mean, Turok is one of those games we, I think Yumi Sam, like booted it up in the office one yeah. day and we're like, yeah, Turok. <laughs> and it was so unfun. Like we were <laughs> lost like, and yeah. like the fog was the like fog. so like, look thick. At the fog. <laughs> like we didn't know yeah. where. And like I've never, I guess I shouldn't say never, but like a lot of those early-ish N64 games live so much larger and are so much more fun in my head than they are to yeah. like go back to now. Is yeah. this where you use the uh, the C directions to look around left and right and you, up? Yeah. That probably wasn't the default controls, but you probably could set it up to be controlled that way. Maybe maybe Turok was one of the first games mm. to do that. I still remember like this gotta... Oh go ahead, Colin. Oh I'm I'm sorry, I was just gonna say this has gotta be like the second foggiest game on the N sixty four. What's the first? Superman. Oh Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. It's so it, like the fog in it, so but you get a Gatling gun. You do get a Gatling gun. <laughs> yeah, this, the game was a big hit. Superman wouldn't do that. Developed by Iguana. Oh mm-hmm. man, no mm-hmm. longer around. Yep. Published by Acclaim. Yeah, no Pull one out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then it was like, um, what, what did I say here? It was uh, there was a sequel on Nintendo sixty four. Today it's available on Xbox One, Switch, and PS four. Yeah, mm-hmm. Night Dive. What's the studio? Yeah, Night Dive. Did that one. Yeah. All those dinosaurs are just minding their own business, I want to point out. Like, <laughs> homie brings a plasma can yeah, in to be like, hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, are you one, are you the baddie in this game? Maybe. <laughs> I think it's based on... This is just Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little yeah. bit. I yeah. think, I know, it's there's comic books. Like, it's based off comic I, books. I owned a, a Turok in mint condition wow. income. Well, my brother did, Ooh. and I, I got to look at it occasionally. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Did anyone play just Turok on, it was 360 PS3 era? Oh, no, I downloaded the demo for that because that was during my demo downloading era. Yeah, I definitely played it. every demo available. Yeah, I did, because I was like, yeah, I don't have any money. I'm a, I'm a high schooler. Yeah, I'm going to download every demo. Yeah, uh, it's not a memorable game. Yeah, but I think it was probably a six, seven. I, I probably, 17-year-old Nick probably had a great two hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. Yeah. yeah. There, that that era had a lot more dinosaur games than we get now. You know, we had um, oh, uh, oh my god, why am I spacing? Cri- th- thank you, Dino Crisis. A couple of them on on the PS One, right? Mm-hmm. Bring back dinosaur, games. bloody I've roar. Been it for years. <laughs> I mean, Capcom bloody is roar, bringing yeah. back a dinosaur game, Exoprimal. Exoprimal. Yeah, not it's not the crisis. right one though. <laughs> and there's like Ark Survival. Is that a dinosaur? Game? Ark Survival. Hey, there's dinosaurs in it. I, games, yeah. I would I would put that more as a. Um, Vin Diesel game than I would as a dinosaur <laughs> game, personally. That's the genre. Yeah. But, sure. yeah. <laughs> a Vin Diesel-like. Well, thank you for the suggestions, Zane from Texas. Viewers, listeners, if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. And that's going to do it for this 75% in-person game. <laughs> I'm so glad we could get together like this. It's good vibes. Let's do it again. You're, you're making uh, more and more frequent trips out here to the West Coast, so... Yeah, that's true. I'll be back next month, I think, actually. Hopefully before year's end, yeah, we'll have you back here. And then, of course, hope before month's end, we have our Game Spook uh, spectacular episode coming up. So Ooh. please be excited for that. Until next week, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Colin. Thank you to everyone working behind the scenes here in our LA office to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Spook, and we're out. We are going to control you now.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.